Hi, everybody. I'm Dennis Prager. This is my home. This is the, uh, we call it the man cave, but it's really the library, and it's where I do much of my writing. My wife sits with me while I write, so she, to her great credit, has no problem with my cigar smoking. She hates cigarettes, but she has no issue with cigars or pipes. Talking about that, this is the 60th fireside chat. I do this virtually every week. The 60th, it's hard to believe, such is life. If you do something regularly, you get a lot done. Read 10 pages of a book every day, you'll read a lot of books. But regularity, regular is the key. Anyway, as you probably know, those of you who are longtime listeners, I used to, for the first 50, I smoked the cigar, and then Facebook announced that I was corrupting the youth of America. That's right. This is, this is the stuff that they are strict about. It's, uh, it's, all right, doesn't matter. I've talked about it plenty, and I won't get into it now. Anyway, welcome. I offer some thoughts. This is completely non-scripted. I offer you some thoughts. I take your questions, and then we say goodbye. It's as simple as that. Thank you for watching. I was uh, watching a PragerU video that uh, Will Witt made, and it was about the abolition of Thanksgiving on many campuses in America. Actually, his was one campus, but I was reading an article about how campus after campus has taught students that Thanksgiving is an evil day, as if it celebrates the uh, wiping out of American Indians. They haven't been wiped out, but, but that's, that's the way it's termed. Obviously, many were killed. I mean, there's no question. By the way, the vast majority of Indians were killed non-deliberately. They were killed by uh, diseases like smallpox that came from Europe and for which there were no antibodies among Native Americans. It's a terrible tragedy. There's no question about that. But it, it matters if you care about truth. Truth is not a university value today. Diversity is a value. And, uh, oh, let's see, what else is a value on a university? Diversity is a big one. Racial, you know, racial diversity. Uh, abolishing gender distinctions is a big one, but truth is not. It's a big problem. One of the reasons we founded Prager University was to offer a serious alternative to our universities in terms of giving wisdom. Obviously, we're not going to teach you medicine. We don't claim to. We're not going to teach you physics or botany or mathematics, but about life and about history and about theology and about happiness and about goodness. Yep, there were better than the university. So I want to talk to you about this ab abolishing of Thanksgiving and uh, anything else that celebrates America, the idea of that nationalism is evil. This is an amazing new development that the word nationalism in and of itself uh, is to be forbidden in the United States because it smacks of fascism and Nazism and all sorts of evils. The fact is nationalism can be used like anything else. There is nothing that can't be used for good. A knife can be used to stab an innocent person, and it could be used to save your life 
as a scalpel by a surgeon. Are knives good? That's the same thing as is nationalism good. It depends what it's used for. By and large, nationalism was a moral uh, advance in human history because people would then be able to unite and leave their tribal identities. Do you know why there was this horrible massacre of, of Hutus, of Tutsis? Horrible. I mean, it, it was genocide. It was that was genocidal, and do you know why it happened in Rwanda? Because they didn't have a Rwandan national identity; they had tribal identity, ethnic identity. A national identity unites people of all different ethnicities. It's an act. It's actually a good thing. What does the left offer us instead of nationalism? Racial identity, gender identity, class identity, ethnic identity. Those are primitive. They're morally primitive. I have nothing in common with another white. A black has nothing in common with another black except color. That's nothing. That's meaningless. But to say that we unite as Americans, whatever our color, then we stand for something, namely in America, an idea. One of the ideas is that ethnicity and race doesn't matter. Anyway, I think I've talked about the nationalism. What I want to talk to you about is appreciation of America. If you are a young person watching, and a lot of young people watch these, as indeed with the Prager University videos, the vast majority of our listeners, or viewers, I should say, I'm used to my radio show, I say listeners, but the great majority of our viewers are in fact young people. And you, if you're American, you have not been taught to appreciate America. You have been taught to forgive me crap on America. And it, it is an amazing thing to me. The greatest experiment in liberty in human history you are taught to have contempt for. And that is the work of the left in the United States and elsewhere, but especially the United States. Barack Obama, who's considered liberal, not leftist, but the truth is he's, he is on the left. He announced five days before he was elected in 2008 we are five days away from fundamentally transforming the United States of America. How, how could you have a positive view of anything you want to fundamentally transform? If you heard that a wife wanted to fundamentally transform her husband or a man wanted to uh, fundamentally transform his wife, would you think they loved each other? <laughs> the idea is absurd. Oh, I love my wife, but I would like her to be fundamentally transformed. Then you don't love her. Give me a break. I'm not even attacking the left for not loving America. I'm stating a fact. You can't love what you want to fundamentally transform because you don't love it as it is. You would Now, every one of us, conservative, liberal, leftist, wants to improve America. Improve is not fundamentally transform. That's a non. They're they're not even they're not in the same moral sphere. Fundamentally transform the United States means that in the way it is currently constituted, it is unworthy of your admiration, <coughs> or of uh, certainly, obviously, of your love. I don't know how you love what you don't admire. Anyway, so th the two are related. Can you think of something you love but don't admire? I can't. I guess your dog. I don't know if you admire your dog. I guess you can love your dog. But within the human sphere, 
you're being raised to have contempt for the United States is an existential danger to the survival of the United States as the United States. You you don't you just don't you you, you don't get to appreciate it. It's an amazing thing. I've been to 130 countries. I've traveled every year of my life since I was 20. I've gone abroad. I love many places. I have, I have come to adore individuals uh, in every society. I've come to adore a whole multitude of cultures. But the United States is unique. It has created the most free, most prosperous nation in the history of the world. That is why people want to come here. As I've told you on a number of occasions, I think, more blacks have come to the United States from Africa as free people than came as slaves. Far more. Because black Africans want to come to the United States. Why would they want to come to a racist country? Are they stupid? No. Obviously not. Why do so many Latin Americans want to come to the United States? Why do they want to leave the country that they were born into, the country they identify with, many cases love, the same culture, the same, the same uh, ethnicity, the same language, and they want to come to the United States because they know this is the land of opportunity. Unfortunately, many of them come and then they vote for the party that doesn't believe in the United States as a land of opportunity, but unless the opportunity is to receive government aid. That's not the way opportunity is understood. Opportunity is the, the opportunity to raise yourself, to live by your own abilities and be successful using your own God-given talents, not to rely on the state to supply you with things. Anyway, you're being raised not to appreciate the United States is, is the great tragedy, one of the great tragedies that I have witnessed in my lifetime. Movies, if you look at the movies of the 1930s and 1940s and even 50s, there's such a celebration of America. And then Hollywood went left. When was the last... When was the last movie made that celebrated the United States? I, I mean, I'm, I'm not a movie uh, buff. I, I'm not an expert, but I, I really would like to have an answer to that. When was the last movie to celebrate America? It's racist. It's sexist. It's, it's uh, misogynistic. It's, it's homophobic. It's xenophobic. It, its borders should be open to anyone who wants to come in. It's oppressive. Poor women. I mean, when I think of that women, that so many of you young women think of yourselves as oppressed, it's because you don't appreciate what you have here. You imagine a... You know what it is? The left imagines a that there could be such a thing as a pain-free life. That's what it's about. That's what much of leftism is about. They, they compare the present to a pain-free image. There is no pain-free life. Pain-free is the grave. In life, life is filled with pain. 
It is intrinsic to the human condition to experience pain. It's not America's fault. It's that life has pain. But instead of, of having the wisdom to understand that life is filled with pain, people on the left blame the United States for their pain. Everybody can do that except white males. They're not allowed to uh, blame the United States because they have white male privilege. A nonsense term, given the fact that the highest suicide rate in the United States is among white males. <laughs> I guess they haven't gotten the message that they have all this privilege, unless you consider it the privilege to kill themselves. It's all backwards. Not to appreciate this country. I know, I know the history of, of, of this country. I'll give you an example from my, my group. I'm in a minority Jews. My dad, may he rest in peace, he wrote a senior class thesis at the City College of New York, I guess in the 1940s. When would he have been in college? He was born in 1918, and he would have been, let's see, 20. So he was 38. Yeah, I guess he was 1939, 1940. Then he, then he enlisted in the Navy to fight in World War II. Uh, but he wrote a senior class thesis on anti-Semitism in America, but he thought he was the luckiest man in the world, luckiest Jew in the world to live in America. You're a lucky black to live in America. You're a lucky woman to live in America. You're a lucky Hispanic to live in America. You're a lucky gay to live in America. If you don't think you're lucky to live in America, there's something wrong with you, not America. Okay? It's as simple as that. But unhealthy, unhappy people teach you at colleges. Of course, there are some exceptions, obviously. But by and large, that's what it is. The unhappy, as a general rule, misery loves company. The unhappy want others to be unhappy. It bothers the unhappy to see happy people. So unhappy professors make unhappy students. Woe unto me. Woe unto me. I am a female. I am a whatever you want to include in there. So you, you have been raised not to appreciate a place worthy of your appreciation. It is the last best hope of mankind, just like Abraham Lincoln said. What do you think, things changed? Lincoln said this is the last best hope of mankind while, while or right after, I don't remember what year he said it, but while America was, was, was Americans were slaughtering each other in the hundreds of thousands. And he said it's the last best hope of mankind. What's our excuse not to say it's the last best hope? But it is. Where does the last, what is the last best hope of mankind if not the United States? Seriously, France? Paraguay? Japan? I, I, I'm curious, what, what, what would you point to? Sweden? A lot of people point to Sweden. We could talk about Sweden in another broadcast. I'm not sure Sweden will be around as a, as a Swedish country in, in 50 years. In fact, one of its ministers, one of the members of its government said a few years ago, said, Swedish, Swedish culture, what's that? Or Swedish values, what are that? One, or both. It's like, I don't know what Sweden is. It's a place in, in, in Scandinavia. But America is not a place in North America. It's the last best hope of mankind. 
So you have been taught the opposite. And it's, it's, it's bad for you and it's bad for America. Bad for you because a national and a religious identity are two of the biggest reasons for people's happiness. It's very hard to be happy without an identity. And human being is not an identity. That's a biological fact, but it's not an identity. All right. So much for that. Let's see. Uh, let's see what you folks have uh, in terms of uh, questions. Here we go. All right. Jake, Southern California at Azusa Pacific University. Where do you see the direction of PragerU going in the next five years? I, my, my hope is that the single biggest direction is billions more views. We change lives. If we don't change lives, we fail. If, if we don't give people a better way of living, of thinking, then PragerU, it, it, its raison d'etre has not been lived up to, its reason for being. We want to touch more people. We want to touch more people more deeply. That's my vision. And I would like to do it around the world. I have a very international vision for Prague University. That's why it was such a pleasure for me to speak in Romania this past year to people who watch PragerU videos and, and invited me, 1,500 young people in Romania, thanks to watching PragerU videos. Mason, 18, Texas. What is your opinion of the Israel... A Palestine situation. Also, what do you think both countries should do to solve it? P.S. You're an inspiration to young conservatives, and I commend you. God bless. Thank you for the last P.S. Uh, if you want to know my opinion, watch any of the PragerU videos on the Middle East. They're, they're remarkable. Professor Alan Dershowitz, the head of the uh, British uh, Armed Forces in Afghanistan, and uh, David Brog and myself, and uh, and uh, George Gilder, they're they're it's very they're special, really good. Oh, a member of the uh, South African uh, Parliament, a black member who says the is one of the greatest lies of his life. He lived through apartheid in South Africa to call Israel an apartheid state. Says it's a disgrace and it cheapens what he suffered under apartheid to call Israel an apartheid state. We have great videos. That'll teach you all, all, much of what you need to know. But my, what, what is mine? What do I think? I think that the, uh, the Arab world never made peace with the existence of a Jewish state, even though it's just the size of New Jersey. The Arab world goes from the Atlantic Ocean, where Morocco is, all the way to the Persian Gulf. It's one of the largest chunks of similar cultures, language on the face of the earth. But there's no room for tiny, tiny El Salvador-sized Israel because it's a Jewish state, and, and that's real xenophobia. That's, that's real bigotry. That's the irony. The day the Arab world says, you're welcome, we have no problem with this tiny state being here. You were here 3,000 years ago before there was such a thing as an Arab, and we're more than happy to make peace with you, trade with you, relate to you, etc., then there'll be peace the next day. Okay, it's as simple as that. If the Arab world and Iran, which is not Arab and wants to destroy Israel, announced, uh, you know what, we are 
laying down our arms, no more fighting with Israel. The next day there would be peace. If Israel said, we are laying down our arms, no more fighting, the next day Israel would be destroyed. That's the difference. What could both countries do to solve it? There's no, Israel can do nothing. Israel has no problem with the existence of Arab states. It's Arab states that have a problem with the existence of a Jewish state. Alex, 26, Los Angeles. What is the difference between regular salt and kosher salt? That's a riot. There's no such thing as kosher salt. It's called kosher salt, but salt cannot be unkosher. In order to be non-kosher, something has to be from an animal. There is no non-kosher fruit. There's no non-kosher vegetable. There's no non-kosher salt. What there is, is uh, kosher salt is coarser salt, and it is used to drain the blood from the, from the animal's flesh because the Bible prohibits the eating of blood. By the way, it's prohibited to all of mankind. This is almost unknown, but when my commentary on Genesis comes out, you will, you will see it is one of the first laws that God gives all of mankind not to eat the, the, the limb of a living, uh, not to eat the, the, not, excuse me, not to eat the limb of a living animal, but not to eat the blood because the blood represents the life of an animal and you can have its carcass but not its life. That's, that's to put it in moral and symbolic terms. That's what kosher salt is for. Gale 66, Lakeview Terrace, California. How much as a sister or brother are you supposed to help adult siblings whose lives are not good? Does it make a difference if it was their bad decision or bad decisions or bad luck as to how much help we give? Yes, it should matter. Yes, I think so. Look, I can't give you a general answer because I'd have to know your situation. But in general, I can't give you a specific answer because I have to know your specific situation. I'll give you a generalized response. In general, you have to ask, are you enabling or are you helping? Enabling means you are enabling them to continue their, their bad habits. Like when parents allow a, a, uh, an addicted child to live in their home or they pay for their home or what, what have you, they are enabling them not to confront the reality of their life. So this is the question that you would have to ask. Are you enabling or helping? So of course it matters if they, if they brought it on by bad decisions and continue to live by bad decisions or, or not. So these, these are very large questions. Also, how much are you taking from your own family? How much do you have to give? It's a very complex question. I think it's to your credit that you're even asking it. Okay, Michaela, 27, Bozeman, Montana. What is the strangest country you have visited? Okay, that's a toughie. I haven't generally thought of countries as strange, to be honest. I, some are more interesting than others, some are more pleasant than others. But I will give you somewhat of a response. In my 20s, I took a bus from Beirut, Lebanon to Damascus, Syria. I was seated on the bus next to a guy from Iraq. And I asked him a question. 
I said, I've never been to Iraq, I said to him. Could you describe your country in a sentence? And he said, yes. Iraq is the most barbaric country in the world. This was an Iraqi describing his country. I don't know if Saddam Hussein was in power then or not, but there was a lot of barbarity happening there. But that stayed with me. That is one of the reasons why I, I did not oppose invading Iraq. I never advocated it. Once we were there, I became a big supporter because we had to defeat the terrible forces arrayed against us in Iraq. But I, I never advocated the invasion because I didn't think that Iraqis were clamoring for liberty. I had some sense of the value system <coughs> that pervaded Iraq. <clears throat> so I'm not answering your question because I haven't been there. I, I've been to Syria, Lebanon, Jordan, Egypt, Morocco, Abu Dhabi, number of Arab countries, obviously, but I've never been to Iraq, so I don't know what I, if, what I would answer in that regard, but I do remember that conversation. Dylan, 19, San Diego. How does one clearly articulate how the BDS movement is anti-Semitic without directly calling ignorant students in BDS anti-Semites? It's a very good question. Okay, it's very simple, and hear me out. BDS is um, boycott, divest, divestment and sanctions. It's an attempt to economically strangle Israel. There are a lot of countries in the world, people who isolate the Jewish state for strangulation can be charged with anti-Semitism. If the only state in the world you, you want to economically hurt is the Jewish state, it, uh, uh, <laughs> it, it transcends logic to say, oh, I, I love Jews, but I would like to cripple the Jewish state. Okay, would you say, I love Italians, but I'd like to cripple Italy? Of course not. An Italian would think you're an idiot, right? Oh, you love Italians, but you want to ruin Italy? Oh, but to say, they don't want to ruin Italy, they, they, they don't want to ruin Israel, they just want to ruin Israel until Israel does what they want it to do. Okay, it's the same thing. Let, let's not fool ourselves. What is Israel supposed to do? Leave, uh, leave the West Bank? Well, it left Gaza, look what happened there. Hamas took over, and they have, one, they have one goal in life, and it isn't to help the people of Gaza. It's to destroy Israel. That is what they live for. That is their raison d'etre, their reason for being, is to annihilate the Jewish state. These people can make nothing. They only know how to destroy. They are the quintessence of nihilism. That is what nihilism is about. It's like Hitler. Hitler's preoccupation was killing Jews. Hamas's preoccupation is destroying Israel. That's Iran's preoccupation. By the way, it's unique to Jew hatred that the Jew hater wants to destroy Jews. No other hatred is annihilationist, just Jew hatred. I think there are reasons for it. I wrote a book on it. It's called Why the Jews. I think you'll find it fascinating. So, yes, you could say, I, I believe that you don't think you're an anti-Semite. You could say that to that student. But I just want you to know that of all the countries on earth, why don't you want to boycott and uh, why don't you boycott China? China, China has, has, has done horrible things to Tibet, far worse than the Israelis have done to Palestinians. And Tibet never declared war on, on China. China declared war on Tibet. 
the Israelis didn't declare war on the Palestinians. It was the, all the Arab states, including the Palestinians, that declared war on Israel. But why, do you, why is there no BDS movement against China for what it has done in Tibet? Because China's not Jewish. That's why. There is no other reason. Oh, and because it's big and, and strong. And people don't want to mess with it. So uh, it's, it's a fraudulent thing. Oh, we love Jews, but the Jewish state, we're going to work. That's what gonna, we're going to devote our lives to hurting. State the size of New Jersey. Nick, 38, Fort Worth, Texas. What's your secret talent? I don't know if I have secret talents. <laughs> uh, how, but uh, let's see. Um, I can say many words backwards. I was so bored in elementary school that I read all the signs in the room backwards, and that's how I learned. My favorite one is Republican, Knacklebooper. Now, nobody would know that unless they bothered reading words backwards. I don't do that anymore. I now read words only forwards, but that is my secret talent to the extent that it is a secret. I think I mentioned it on my radio show, but it's, it's clearly not well known, nor might I add, is it valuable. It, it is a complete waste. But when you're sitting in class in sixth grade and you're bored out of your mind, you learn how to read words backwards or develop some other secret talent. Okay, like annoying teachers. Christian, 21, Ohio. The past few years we have seen a rapid decline in the morals of society. What do you think caused the shift in society? It's so obvious that it, 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 I feel funny mentioning it the decline of, uh, of uh, Christianity in, in the United States. And I'm saying that as a Jew. That, that's, that's, that's what has done it. People, people don't feel that they are morally bound by any transcendent system. They don't have to answer to God for their behavior. So their behavior doesn't matter. I'll give you a little example there was, I live in Southern California. We have earthquakes and fires, right? The Midwest has tornadoes. The, the Southeast has, uh, and, and the East Coast has, has hurricanes. We get, we get, we get uh, earthquakes. So the worst earthquake I lived through was called the Northridge earthquake. Well, what year? Do you remember what year it was? Was it 80 something? 90 something. 90 something? Okay. It was very bad. That, that was a bad one, I have to admit it. It was scary. The whole house shook. And let me tell you, it's when you're awakened at 4.30 in the morning because your, your house is shaking, it's a scary moment. Anyway, uh, I remember the following happening. It was told to me over and over. People would file a claim with their home insurance company saying that something in their home was wrecked because of the earthquake when it wasn't. The problem that they had, oh, let's say their fireplace was, was cracked. So they would call their insurance company and say, oh, the earthquake cracked my fireplace. Vast numbers of people cheated their insurance company. They, they lied about what had happened because it, ne- it wasn't caused by the earthquake, it, but they blamed it on the earthquakes so that they could get their money. So I wondered at the time on the radio, I wondered, was this always the case that Americans cheat quite as much as they did then? I don't have the answer. But I would also be curious if people who go to uh, take religion seriously, 
they practice their Christianity or their Judaism, their Mormonism, their Catholicism, are they as likely to lie on insurance claims as others? It's an interesting question to ask. I don't know the answer. But in general, I am, I, I am convinced. Here, here's another very simple thing. What percentage of Americans go to church uh, every week or nearly every week? 40%? Is it, is it, are we now at 40%? So if, if that has no moral impact, then 40% of the prisoners incarcerated for violent crime should be churchgoers, right? I mean, let's, are you with me? If, if going to church every week has no moral impact, then 40% of the murderers and the burglars in prison and the rapists in prison should have been regular churchgoers. But everybody knows that it's probably 2%, maybe 1%. So why do we never ask that question? We ask, uh, oh, is it racism? I don't think it's racism. The reason that uh, X number of blacks are in prison for murder, I think it's because X number of blacks happen to have committed murder. So the question is, did they grow up with fathers and did they grow up going to church? People who grow up with fathers and who go to church uh, act, act better. Any color. Color doesn't matter. What's our time frame? 33. Okay. Then it's perfect timing. Hey, listen, I, uh, I really get, uh, get a kick out of your feedback. I hope this is w worthy of your time. That's, after all, what I'm asking for is your time, right? I give my time, and I hope it's worthwhile, worthwhile to you. It's a pleasure to be with you. I will see you next week. From my home to yours, thank you for watching.